Welcome to the Living Out Podcast, helping people, churches and society talk about faith and sexuality. Hello, my name is Ed and I'm part of the team that resources uh, Living Out and you have found your way uh, to the Living Out uh, podcast. It's a bit of a special edition uh, this week. Um, it's part of our, our Meet the Authors series, but it's the first time we've had an author return for a second visit. This isn't because the first visit was a disaster, but because our own uh, Andrew Bunt um, was on the very first episode and is returning today to talk about um, his new book, uh, Finding Your Best Identity, A Short Christian Introduction to Identity, Sexuality and Gender. And we thought that we'd mark the occasion of the publication of this book by finding out a little bit more about Andrew and this book um, that we're looking forward to uh, reading soon. Our friends at IVP in the UK are publishing it, and they're publishing it as part of a series that began with the truly excellent, if I don't say so myself, Purposeful Sexuality, A Short Christian Introduction. Now, before we find out more uh, about uh, his book, um, Andrew's uh, return visit gives me the chance to ask Andy Robinson, my fellow presenter, uh, which of the podcasts since that very first episode, which featured uh, Andrew Bunt as a guest, which has been your favourite? I mean, clearly not that first episode. If I remember, it was slightly ropey. There was a lot of conversation about trains. Things have improved since then. Um, what is do, Any favourite podcasts, Living Out podcast episodes, Andy? Um Couple of series, couple of episodes from series two. When I imagined the uh, the podcast a few years ago, what I dreamed of, I guess, was people experiencing same sex attraction, talking about their experience of it in a way that was useful, perhaps for those coming a, a generation behind. And in series two, we did a couple of episodes. Is it doable? Episode three and episode seven. Will I ever feel at ease with myself and my sexuality? Where we just got to talk about what it was like and how the Lord had kept us going. And they were particular highlights, not just because they were episodes featuring Andrew, Anne and me, and you weren't there, Ed. So having boasted about your book, I just thought I should say that the two favourite episodes for me didn't include you. Well, as I wipe uh, tears away uh, from my eyes and try and get over that uh, attack uh, on me. Uh, so early on in the podcast, um, I'm going to ask our guest, Andrew Bunt, a uh, favourite podcast uh, that you've enjoyed um, over the last, is it year and a half? How long have we been doing these things? It's probably something probably. like that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, probably a year and a half. Favourite from you? Uh, well, I was thinking back of my favourite moments. My favourite moment, I can't tell you exactly which podcast it was from, was when we found out how terrified of buttons Anne is. Uh, I don't know what podcast it was. My favourite moment. But my favourite episode would have been, um, I think, the same series. Andy just mentioned the Explore Question series. And the episode isn't God Being Unfair, which you guys and Anne talked around. And just so helpful to hear some of your experiences, how you've wrestled with that question, what's helped you, some of the good things you experienced from your sexuality and in living as a single person. And I remember a drive in my car listening to it and just finding it really helpful and encouraging. It's a shame we didn't name an episode as in, you know, the, the episode where Anne talks about buttons. Yeah, that yeah. Would, I mean, that would have just intrigued people. That would have got an audience <laughs> if, nothing, if nothing else would. I think uh, my personal favourite um, is a more recent one in this current season of uh, Meeting the Authors. number. Well, Meet the Authors number 18 when I can't remember. I didn't, again, actually, this is another one that did not feature me. So clearly good. Um, interviewing, uh, we were meeting at Ashley Hull and people were asking her some great questions and her answers were, I just think, absolutely fantastic. So if you're listening and you haven't listened to that one uh, yet, 
Well, I'm tempted to say stop this episode and listen to that one, but I think that might be slightly sort of counterproductive. So listen (laughs) to this episode and then listen uh, to that one with Ashley. Andrew, uh, before we talk uh, about uh, your book, it might be worth just sharing news of your new role at Living Out. So when you first appeared on this podcast, right back in the beginning, uh, you were a mere associate with us. Uh, Now you have, uh, I think, the jazziest title of all of us, which is you're, and I I hope I'm going to get this right, actually, you're (laughs) our Emerging Generations Director. What does that role involve? It is a good title, isn't it? I think there's a lot of envy within the team of the Jazzy title. I do like getting to say it. That involves basically uh, thinking about how do we, as Living Out, engage with under-25s and those who are working with them and are serving them. I think we're just really aware that for under-25s, what's sometimes known as Gen Z, questions of sexuality, gender identity are such real-life and live issues for them. And we want to make sure that we are helping them to find out the good news of what God says about these things, how we can thrive and flourish, kind of. Of, um, leaving them out. I was struck a recent UK survey said that at least 25% of um, under 25s identify as non-straight and in that survey that sample only 53% of them said they're exclusively attracted to the opposite sex. So potentially about 50% half of under 25s are saying they experience some level of same-sex attraction. They're going to have questions around that around how might that link with things like faith and the big questions of life. And so my role is kind of help us to engage with people produce resources different things like that to uh, help that demographic. And so kind of watch this space in a sense for some initiatives we'll launch starting the beginning of next year, 2023. If we had a drum roll, we would put that on now, but we don't. Uh, how, how, can, how can our listeners potentially help you in this new role? Oh, great. Um, we want to connect with kind of practitioners, as it were, you know, people on the ground, those working with young people, and particularly to know, you know what are the questions that young people are asking. So for those to send in through the website or uh, get in touch with us just to kind of know what are the things people are asking would be useful. Also, actually, any churches that think actually we might be used a living out resource or we created our own resource to use with maybe teenagers or children or students and it was really helpful i'd love to hear about that as well because we kind of want to learn from other people are doing uh draw the best kind of wisdom and understanding together to engage with younger people on these topics great so yeah if you're a listener particularly if you're a listener under 25 and you want to give andrew some ideas go to the website and do contact us and tell us um what questions you've got Um, We'd really love to know uh, what questions, what experiences are live with you rather than, you know, are largely apart from perhaps Andrew, middle-aged team, uh, trying to work out what younger people are really thinking. Thanks, Andrew. Really looking forward to you uh, settling into uh, that role. We're going to turn to the book and we've already sort of, well, I've just just talked about your youth because you are, you're 30, aren't you? (laughs) I am 30 for another couple of weeks, yes. For another couple of weeks. So you are, compared to some of the, certainly compared to Andy Robinson, uh, quite a young man. Um, what qualifies somebody who's, who, who's, who's 30 to write a book that is about gender, identity, sexuality? They're big things. Yeah, yeah. What qualifies you? <laughs> Such a good question, yeah. 
I guess, uh, well, if I think of the three decades of my life, each one has been marked by something of an identity crisis. And I think uh, in a very profound way, identity is something I've had to hugely wrestle with. And actually those identity crises have often linked into my experience of sexuality and gender. So in a sense, this book is something I've lived. People sometimes say that you have to live a book before you write it. And I think in this case, that has certainly been true for me. So in my childhood, my first decade, there was a time when I very vividly came to believe that I was a girl trapped in a boy's body. And we had to wrestle with who am I as a, a boy or a girl? In my teenage years, I became aware of being same-sex attracted, aware that for some people that seemed to be the worst thing possible, worst thing imaginable, and that I should never talk about. And yet for other people, it seemed to be kind of the most important thing about me. That's something I should embrace as who I really am. And so I had to wrestle with my sexuality in terms of where does this fit into life? Is this who I am? Do I therefore need to embrace that and act on that? And then in my 20s, kind of two areas, I guess, of identity uh, problems. One is I found that although I didn't still believe I was a girl trapped in a, a guy's body, I came to realise I really didn't believe I was a real man. I didn't make the cut as a man. I had huge issues around my masculinity and who I was as a man I had to work through. And also, actually, I just came to discover through a series of events that without really realising it, the controlling self-understanding I had, the real identity I was living with, was that I was a freak and a weirdo. And I actually didn't believe anyone liked me or loves me. I didn't believe God did. I didn't really like or love myself. And I had to really wrestle with, well, where did that come from? And how do I deal with the kind of destructive impact that was having on my life? And so in all these different ways through the decades of my life, I've been wrestling with actually who am I? How do I find who I am? What does God say? How do I take hold of the truth of what God says and actually experience that? And in the last few years, particularly, being a real experience of what does it mean to step into experiencing the truth of what God says, not just kind of knowing it to be true. Great. You're well qualified to write this book. I can see how uh, I can see how the publisher thought this is the man <laughs> to write this book. Um, when you were sort of pitching the idea of this book to the publisher, to IVP, uh, sort of what was your pitch? Why were you saying they needed to publish this book and, and people need to read this book? My pitch, I think, I think there were two things that motivated me to write the book, I guess. One was my own experience of realising you can know what the Bible says about identity and not live it out. And I thought there's something to be explored here. We need to go deeper, not just ask the question, who am I? But ask the question, how do I find who I am? I just don't think many of us think to do that or realise to do that. And I think lots of us are living with identities that aren't what the Bible says, kind of without realising it and how to change that. So part of it was a resource to equip us to understand how identity formation works, how we get our sense of self. And also I think increasingly I was seeing people kind of making the argument about sexuality of how could God ask some people to deny who they really are. And it seems to me to be a very common kind of objection to Christian teaching on sexuality and also on gender. Seemed to me to be one of the reasons that some people turned away from biblical teaching with the kind of same kind of thing. Well, surely God isn't asking some people to deny who they are. And I didn't think there was yet a kind of accessible book length treatment actually of that really key issue of how do identity and sexuality and gender go together and does what God says really work so those two things were my purpose in writing and where I felt there was a kind of a a gap in the market I guess and a resource that could be helpful to lots of people um, and when, when you write books, one of the pieces of advice editors often give you is to imagine the person you're writing for or the people you're writing for. When, when you would, I mean, if you did that, but, you know, who, who were you writing for? Who are you sort of imagining will most benefit from this book? In some ways, I do hope a broad range of people benefit. I mean, it's a book wrestling with the question, who am I, which is a pretty universal, important human question. So I think it's for everyone. 
But I think there's lots of subgroups as well for whom I hope it will be specifically helpful. I think it's for Christians who kind of know their identity should be in Christ, as we often say, we often talk about, we're often told, but maybe don't know quite what that means or don't know how to live that out. And that sense of, yeah, I want my identity in Christ, but I'm not sure how that actually works, how I experience that. I think it's also, though, my hope is a book for people who aren't followers of Jesus, who aren't Christians, who are wondering, is there a better way, actually, of making identity better than the kind of options offered to us by our society, actually? So often they, they leave us one thing, they're not really doing the job. Is there a better way? So I hope it kind of offers a, a attractive portrayal, actually, of what the Christian faith offers us. But then within those, I think there'll be particular interest in this book for people who are themselves um, gay or same-sex attracted or who are questioning their gender identity, or just people who wrestle with, well, what does God say about these things? And isn't it true that he asks people to deny who they really are? And that's such a, a key question for so many people. And I think maybe because of that, it may be a book that's particularly helpful to younger generations and those who are alongside them, kind of youth leaders, student workers, pastors and such like. I'm aware that some of the cultural messages about identity are particularly prominent in that kind of youth culture around younger people. So some of the areas where I try to engage with and actually say does what culture is saying really work are maybe particularly relevant to some younger generations. So a broad readership, I hope. I love it. I, I've yet I've yet to cut, cut, meet an author who who doesn't in the end say their book is for everyone. Uh, you've done that. You've done that nicely. Thank you. Uh, why is it so short? I mean, it's, it is a short book. Is that intentional? Yes, it is fairly short. Yes, and that is intentional. Yeah, um, partly because I hate reading a book which. It's quite long. It takes a long time to read. And you think you could have told me this in a much shorter time. So partly I don't like long books, maybe. Um, and yeah, I, I think I, I wanted to be quite brief, quite to the point. I want it to be accessible to lots of people. All of us live in busy lives. Hard to fit in reading a, a longer book. So it's probably a book you could read in one sitting across a few hours if you want to. Or easily you could read it little chunks over a week, a few weeks. I would hope also the chapters are kind of short enough that they are plausible for reading in a group context where, say, you know, you read it at home a chapter a week on your own and come to discuss it. I think the risk always those kind of things is people never get around to the reading, but hopefully with something short and accessible, that is kind of manageable. So it's short really is to keep it to the point and try and make it really accessible to anyone who wants to read it. Now, a lot of people, if not everybody listening into this podcast, will have already read A Purposeful Sexuality, a short introduction to this subject, um, and they'll be thinking, why read another short introduction? I mean, how do these two books interact with each other? I'm sure you're right. I'm sure everyone has read that. The difference, I guess the difference is the question at the heart of the books. Uh, Purposeful Sexuality, which I concede is a very good and very helpful book. The, The question at the heart of that is, what is sexuality for? And how actually, I'm going to promote your own book for you, Ed. How does actually understanding the purpose of sexuality help us know how to flourish and thrive as sexual beings? And it's a really good, uh, helpful little book for helping us do that. The question at the heart of my book is, is kind of the question, who am I? But in a sense, actually, it's taking this step back and asking the prior question, how do I find who I am? Uh, another really important question all of us need to have a good answer to, to thrive and flourish in life. And so it's just in a sense, looking at a very different kind of thing, which is a question that does have huge relevance to our experience of sexuality and our experience of gender. 
but also actually has huge relevance to our experience of human life. There are many topics beyond and kind of aspects of life beyond sexuality and gender that the question, how do I find who I am, impacts. Uh, I choose in this book to particularly apply it in the area, but there are many others as well. So it's a nice accompaniment to purposeful sexuality, but definitely a worthwhile read in addition to it. Can I say just I'm going to keep asking you questions about my book just to just to <laughs> sort of get the just to get the looks that uh, that Andy Robinson is giving me uh, across yeah, Zoom yeah. as I do that it's part of the fun and he is rolling his eyeballs as I speak right okay moving on to the cover of this book I love the books I love the covers of Christian books obviously disappointed uh, that there's not a sunset uh, on the cover of this book but do you know, explain the cover to us a sunset why are you disappointed if there's not a sunset. Well, there always are in Christian books, oh, aren't there? Oh, okay. Have well, you not noticed, noticed that? that? No, I haven't. No. Oh, don't get me on the subject. I, I thought you were going to be disappointed a... there's no bunting. Ed has a kind of penchant <laughs> for bunting. That's not. Now, at some point, we should do a podcast on my theories on Christian book covers, but no time for that Ooh. today. Just explain the book cover, though, of your book. Um, the book of my book, the kind of background design is a fingerprint, that sense of actually something that we often use to identify people, maybe not we often use, but can be used to identify people we relate with uh, kind of with identity and that sense of uh, uniqueness, I guess, to each of us. But also, I guess I like the fingerprint thing of that is something God is giving us, isn't it? Part of the embodied nature of how God has created us. And maybe it's a subtle message, actually, our identity comes from who God has made us to be, that identity given to us, which is certainly the message at the core of the book. And and how is how is sitting down and writing this book just helped you personally? I think it was a really good process for me. It, it kind of, I guess, solidifies so much of what I have uh, walked through in the last few years of working through my own identity, realising how strong in the culture around us some of these messages telling us to make our identity in different ways that aren't the Bible's ways actually are, how easy it is to absorb those from the world around us, how easy it is to kind of, to kind of live them out. But also it's just reminded me how incredibly good, how much better God's approach to identity is, how just how good news it is, how it really is, I'm convinced, the best basis from which to respond to our experiences of sexuality and gender. So I think for me, it's just been hugely encouraging. I think also it's helped me as um, as someone who's involved in different ways in kind of pastoral type ministry, and also just who's a friend to other people. I think sitting down writing the book made me take what I'd learned in my experiences and think a bit broader, okay, how might this look at other people's lives? What are the other ways these ways of forming identity might be seen and might impact people? I think it says it's made me a better friend and a better person who pastors in the sense of it's equipped me to think actually, how are you forming your identity? How are the things you're wrestling with here linked to the question of identity? And it's going to help me to think broader. And that's one of my hopes with actually. I think anyone who reads it will find the book is helpful for themselves, their own walk in life, their own walk with Jesus if they are a Christian. But also I think it's a good equipping for helping other people. That might be for someone who is a pastor and is helping people that way. It might just be someone who's a friend and walking alongside and loving friends. And so I think it helped me to do that, the process of writing the book. And I hope it will help readers to do that as well. Great, thank you. I'm looking for. I've, I've read a draft, which is very good. I'm looking forward to reading the final edition. Just to let you know that the Living Out team is coming to Reading on Saturday the 12th of November. This is your chance to explore sexuality in our culture, the biblical picture and how we can support same-sex attracted Christians in our churches. You can find out more and book a place at livingout.org slash events. Andrew, do you want to unpack the content of, of the book a little bit? So you've you've said that the key question is, 
how do we determine our identity? And do you want to unpack the different ways that people do that and why you've come to the conclusion you have? Yeah, yeah. So the core of the book or the kind of structure of the book is how do we answer this question? How do I find who I am? And so I look first at two ways it happens in our culture and then look at how the Bible does that and then how that helps us with questions of sexuality and gender. So just to brief summarize, two different ways in our culture does that. One is what I call others decide. How do I find who I am? Others decide. And so in that way of forming identity, our sense of self because um, I define identity as our controlling sense of self, who we believe ourselves to be at our core, as it were. That sense of self is kind of imbued from what other people think of us. And so it's this concept we have that other people evaluate us by some set of criteria, often unspoken criteria for being a good person, a successful person, a kind person, whatever it might be. And we kind of think people evaluate us against those and we absorb from them uh, that evaluation as our sense of self. Often, of course, we don't know what people think, especially what we assume they think, which means it can go really badly uh, and people can think badly of us and we absorb that and that forms who we are. So that's one really common way I think we see that happening in the world around us, particularly maybe things like in relation to our jobs, our relationships, our achievements, different things, or ways we can imbue in others' desired identity and get our sense of worth and meaning and purpose from that. But then I think there's also another very prominent uh, approach to identity in our culture is what I call I decide. How do I find who I am? I decide. And that's the approach which tells us that to find who we really are, we need to look inside ourselves. And we look inside ourselves at our feelings and our desires. And that reveals to us who we really are. And so we need to embrace those and express those because it's inside of us. Nothing outside matters. So everything outside, our body, other people, all has to kind of come into line with what we feel inside because only we can know who we are. And only we can um, embrace that and tell the world that. And we've got to do that. Both of those, I think there are kind of significant problems with. And the book unpacks that in much more detail, which is why I kind of left the place of, well, is there a better answer? Is there a more life-giving, more successful, in a sense, where finding who we are, which is where I think the Bible's answer of God decides comes in. How do I find who I am? God decides. Actually, the biblical picture is that who we truly are is received from God as creatures of the creator, of what he says about us based on how he's made us and our relationship with him. And I talk in there about human identity, stuff that's true of all of us because we're made in God's image and we're given that in God's identity, which gives us inherent dignity and worth, the right to life worthy of good treatment and respect and such like, but then of the pinnacle of God decides identity being Christian identity, the identity we receive when we put our faith in Jesus, which isn't based on what we find inside, what we feel, isn't based on what other people think and how well we do or how badly we do. It's all based on what Jesus has already done. And that's why it's so wonderfully good, so wonderfully solid and static. It can't change and it's life-giving. And then finally, I can unpick, well, how does that help us to uh, give us a basis, I guess, from which to think through questions of sexuality and or gender? Great. Now, I'm conscious that in in some ways, identity can feel like an an abstract thing. It's the kind of thing we talk about on podcasts and so on. So have you got any advice for how that becomes practical, how in daily life, a God-given identity shapes normal existence, what we do day by day? Any practical tips for our identity impacting our daily life? Yeah, that's where I go in the last chapter. And that was a chapter I wanted to make sure was in there. And it's in some ways to me what's so important here. I think we we have some good resources on what the Bible says about us. Many of us know that thing of, yeah, of course, our identity is meant to be rooted in what God says about us. 
And yet actually kind of experiencing that is so much harder. So I do kind of unpack different ways of how we might do that. I, I talk about getting to know ourselves being really important in that. Actually, it's really important, I realised in my own journey, to realise the way we instinctively make identity outside of what God says. So for me, I'm much more inclined to be shaped by what other people think of me than what I find inside of myself. And that's just so helpful because I can see it happening because I'm aware of that. And even to know what are the untrue things about us we often believe so I lived for years with this belief that I'm a freak and a weirdo and so it's quite instinctive and easy for me to slip back into that as I know myself has been really helpful so just taking time to think yeah how am I inclined to make my sense of self and what are the things that aren't true aren't what God says about me but which I'm inclined to believe is really helpful and then getting to know what God actually says so actually getting into the word of God understanding what he says about us as people who are uh, in Christ as people who are children of God all the wonderful things he says and then it's what I talk about just taking active steps to experience your identity is doing that short but huge journey from our head to our heart and what are the things we can proactively do which move those truths and so it's things like meditating on scripture it's not just reading them but kind of chewing it over and so for me it was having this sheet of paper with two columns of bible verses which was all over the place for ages by my bed um, at my desk at work my desk at home in my pocket and I just any chance I got would read those and chew over them and for ages I wasn't believing them but the more I meditated on them and prayed through them and reflected on them they were gradually seeping into my heart and I began to realise and believe oh this actually is true to believe this and I linked into that I think praying the truth of our identity is really powerful I think singing the truth of our identity is really powerful I encourage people to get a Spotify playlist of songs which help you to proclaim who you really are because I think somehow that kind of works it deeper into our heart and does something and a really key one I think actually is this involvement in the local church local church our corporate worship our friendships with each other should be things which are pointing us to who we really are reminding us of who we are helping us to experience that so in a sense I'm aware none of that is radical by far all those in a sense are the normal practices of Christian life but it's a reminder of how important they are and how including in them the kind of key of identity is so important. It helps us to begin to experience who we are. Great. Well, I, like Ed, I read an early draft of the book, and I'm thrilled it's getting out there because it, it does address a, a key contemporary issue, but also does dig down into what it means to, to live as a Christian. Um, let me ask you a question largely for the purpose of embarrassing you, to be honest. Um, <laughs> Have other people read the book and do they recommend us reading it? I <laughs> think uh, we have read the book, not just you two. They have been very kind and have recommended it. Yes, you're right. This is very uncomfortable for a British guy to be saying. But yeah, no, people have said very kind stuff, which can be found um, kind of on the IVF website with the listing of the book. Well, I think most places of the books are available. They'll be listed there. Great. And, and how can people get hold of a copy of this? Um, going directly to IVP, the website ivpbooks.com will be there. It'll be on Amazon. It'll be on where the people tend to buy their books, really. If you're listening before the book comes out, it'll be available to pre-order. If you're listening after it comes out, obviously it'll be able to get to you in a few days, I'm sure. So Google it and you'll find it. Well, we're looking forward to uh, receiving our copy of it for, for Christmas. And uh, I'm sure if you're listening to this in the run-up to Christmas, it will be a fine book to uh, to give to your various friends and family as well. 
That wraps us up for today. Uh, do contact us. Um, do go to About Us on the website, and that drops down to uh, to contact us. So if you're a young person or an emerging generation person and you want to get in touch with uh, Andrew to help him to do his job, then uh, please do contact us uh, via that way. Or if you want to contact any member of the team, go to the About Us section of the website and you can contact us there. Uh, thanks so much, Andrew. It's been great to uh, hear details uh, of the uh, the book. Uh, do tune in and again in a couple of weeks' time as we meet uh, another author. And in the meantime, do like us on the uh, whatever you get your podcast. Or if you want to share this with a friend, uh, you can do that via WhatsApp. Thanks for listening. Do listen again in a couple of weeks' time. Goodbye for now.